0: So a little story about me. About 10 or 15 years ago, uh, I went through a period of time in my life that was a very dark period. I went through a multiple year depression and uh, nobody knew but Melissa, but it was this, this time in my life where I didn't feel any purpose, I didn't feel any passion. I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was working here at the church, but I just felt like I was going through the motions. And, and I don't do very well in maintenance mode, for sure. But I was in ministry, but to be honest, I didn't want to be in ministry anymore. I had lost all passion. I, it, I just felt like it was dark. I wanted to have passion, but I just couldn't seem to get a grasp on where I was or how to get back to where I had been. I just felt like I was in the dark. And I slipped into a very deep depression. I didn't wanna get up in the morning. I didn't wanna come to work. I did come to work, but even at work, there would be moments and there would be times where I would find myself just wanting to break down and weep for no reason. I felt like a girl. I I didn't know what was wrong. I just felt like I was lost. I just felt like I needed a new start. Yeah. But I didn't know what end was up. I actually did. I would just go to my office and weep. And maybe you've been where I was at. Maybe it was worse than what I went through. Maybe it was not that bad, and maybe it was just a small version of what I went through, and you just kind of felt like you didn't know what end was up. But I think all of us have been in a place at some point where we kind of have felt lost. where we're just going through the motions and we, and we, we feel like we, we, we're doing all the right things, but the passion for God, that spiritual passion, it was just, it's just missing. It, it's left, or it's gone. We don't have a passion to pray. We don't have a passion to read the Bible. We don't have a passion to share our faith with other people, it just seems dry. And so what do we do in those moments when we legitimately feel no passion for God? Well, that's why we're in this series that we've called Passionate Spirituality. And we've learned in the first week that even followers of Jesus and then sometimes even people that don't follow Jesus want to be passionate about the things of God. But the issue is, is that sometimes we don't know how. And last week we learned from Paul that purpose leads to passion. That when you know your purpose in life and you can see yourself moving toward that purpose, it actually creates passion in life. And Paul told us in Romans twelve two, he said that If you uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and approve. And we found out that the word test and approve or that phrase meant discern. So you will be able to uh, discern what God's will is if you'll be transformed and renew your mind. So here's what we discovered last week, that if we renew our minds and are transformed, then we can discern God's will for our life. And if we can do those things, then we can remain spiritually passionate, passionate about the things of God. And that's why we're going into these 21 days of prayer and fasting is so that we can really lay a foundation to lean into God and to be able to renew our minds and be transformed that beginning step. And that's what this series is all about is how, how do we renew our minds so that we can be transformed and know the will of God and be spiritually passionate about the things of God. Because the renewing of your mind is actually what transforms you. You see, the mind is kind of like the steering wheel of your soul, you could say. The mind is what steers your will and your emotions because what consumes your mind is gonna control your future. Let me say that again. What consumes your mind, what you think about the most is going to control your future. This is why Paul told us you've gotta renew your mind. Okay. Now, this is not new. This idea has been around for thousands of years. In fact, Horace was the leading Roman lyrical poet during the time of Augustus, okay? He wasn't a Jesus follower because he was actually before Jesus. In the first century BC, here's how he says it rule your mind, or it will rule you. Rule your mind, or it's going to rule you. And man, that is so true, because as your mind goes, so does your will, so does your emotions, so does your passions, and therefore, the rest of your life, okay? We introduce the fast as a foundation to changing your thinking. And then Charlene, uh, last week, did a great job at taking that next step and prioritizing the presence of God, how to focus on being with God as opposed to just doing things for God. There's a difference. And a huge part of being spiritually passionate about the things of God is being aware of God and actually prioritizing His presence over everything else in our life. So if you missed either one of those messages, you can go back and catch up on the Church Center app that we keep talking about, or our YouTube page, or our website. But today, I wanna talk about another layer or another brick in the wall of how do we renew our mind? Okay. And as we're talking about our mind and our thinking, I want to start out with Proverbs 23.7. I want to read it in the old King James because it's beautiful the way it says it. It's talking about mankind. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. For as a man th- or a woman thinks in their heart, so are they. This is the Bible. So when we think about, you know, it's sometimes it's good to stop and think about the things that we think about. And when we stop and we think about the things that we think about, sometimes that can be a little bit alarming because some of us don't have the greatest thoughts. Sometimes we recognize that there are certain thought patterns that are not healthy for us. And yet it's very difficult to change those things, maybe because habitually we've always had that thought pattern. Maybe you just now figured out that, wow, this may not be the healthiest way for, for me to think. You know, things may not be turning out the way that I want them to. And I, maybe I recognize that my thought patterns might be the source of the pain in my life or it could be something new. It could be something new that came up and you don't know where it came from, but we just begin to think, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, these thoughts are not healthy for me. It could be negative self-talk. It could be thoughts of temptation. It could be hatred. It could be self-loathing, unforgiveness, whatever thoughts come into our mind. And we recognize those, if we'll recognize those as things that we should not be thinking and we don't even wanna think to be honest, then one of the first questions that we've gotta ask in that question is why? Why do we develop wrong thinking? There are a lot of reasons, actually, but I'm going to give you just a few. One is trauma, traumatic experiences. Some of us have been through abuse or neglect or other traumas that can lead to negative thought patterns that if they're, led, if they're left on their own, we subconsciously think, that's how I deal with my, my trauma. And then maybe you haven't had trauma, but you've had past experiences that were negative. They were extremely negative, and maybe those past experiences repeated over and over. It could have been your parents, could have been somebody in your childhood, could have been a teacher, but they repeated over and over, creating a rhythm in your life of negative thought patterns. And here is a huge one right now in our society, and that is social conditioning. Society can play a role in shaping our thought patterns. And if you're not careful, if we're not careful, the society that we live in right now, it can actually shape how you think into wrong thinking. And I'm telling you right now, all sides sensationalize everything. Okay. Don't get me wrong. There are some things that are wrong in our country that need to be fixed. But to listen to our society, our media, to some of our politicians, they're gonna tell you that, listen, everybody that doesn't think like you, doesn't look like you, hates you, and wants to destroy you and everything that you love. They're pitting us against each other. The other side hates you and is trying to destroy you and your country. It's happening on both sides. And social conditioning and cultural influences can play a huge role in shaping thought patterns and internalizing harmful stereotypes and messages. And if we continue to feed ourselves enough of that, it affects our thinking. It develops wrong thinking, and it leads to worry, anxiety, and eventually a lack of spiritual passion for the things of God in our lives. So how do you know if you got wrong thinking? In any area. He was like, no, Micah, I appreciate all that, but that's for somebody else. I don't have any wrong thinking. I am always right. I know you're excited about the new year. And fortunately, I don't have any resolutions to make since I am already perfect. I don't have any kind of wrong thinking. Now, my spouse says that I'm negative and argue all the time, but I'm not complaining. I'm just explaining to them why I'm always right. Okay, so let's take inventory. How do we know if, you know, I can't go through all the examples of wrong thinking, but however, I've just put together a small list. And what I'd like for us to do is just take inventory and ask ourselves, do we do any of this? Have we adopted any of these negative or wrong ways of thinking? One is, how do you talk to yourself? What is your self-talk like? Do you have negative self-talk? Do you criticize yourself? Uh, are there moments where you feel like you don't measure up, that you feel worthless? And That can actually get worse if it goes unchecked. It, it, it can move on to sadness, anxiety, depression. It can actually push you away from God. So ask yourself, do you do this? And here's this, I learned a new word this week. And a lot of us do this. It's called catastrophizing. Everybody say that with me catastrophizing. Okay. Catastrophizing is when people exaggerate the likelihood of, of bad things happening, right? Well, that's just my luck. Bad things always happen to me. Well, I'm going to go try to find a client, but I probably won't get one. My spouse is probably going to act like this because they always do. All right. I'll pray the scriptures, Micah, but I don't know what, who knows what God's going to do. Well, <laughs> do you tend to think this way? So another way to know if you have wrong thinking is are you black and white? Okay, to all my A-type people, here we go. Are your views on everything always black and white? There's no gray in life. It's either right or wrong. It's white or it's black. Now I'm not talking about moral issues, okay, or biblical standards. I'm talking about there is a right way to load the dishwasher and there is a wrong way to load the dishwasher. (laughs) You guys know who I'm talking about. Now, don't get me wrong. There are absolute truths, okay? I'm not talking about relative truth. I'm talking about that place that some of us can get in where airway is the only way, right And that's actually a problem when you're talking about transform, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because if you already know everything, then anything that a friend, a pastor, or anybody else says that, might land in a gray area. Well, you know what? That might not be as simple as black and white. That's gonna hinder you from renewing your mind to the things of God. But if you're just taking that hard stance of, no, this is what I believe and this is right and everybody else is wrong all the time, that's an issue. Do you have this wrong thinking? Another example is thinking that people can read your mind. If you are sitting next to somebody that does this as your pastor, I give you permission to elbow them right now. People assume that other people know what they're thinking. That's wrong thinking. And as much as we kind of have fun with it a little bit, it actually contributes to feelings of hurt and anger in a relationship, especially in a relationships that are very close to you. So many marriages fall apart because there's not communication. Everybody thinks that the other person can read their mind. He should know this, she should know this, and it's not good. Do you think this way that everybody should be able to read your mind? There's also something called personalization. That is wrong thinking. This is where we blame ourselves for things that are outside of our control. And we end up in shame and, and guilt and, and just being far from God. Is this a part of your thinking pattern? Now, these are examples of wrong thinking. And, and we want to get rid of, we want to shed our wrong Thinking in order to once again renew our mind and be transformed so that we can be passionate for God. And so, if maybe you found yourself in one of these examples, you recognize that maybe your thinking could be affecting your life, uh, yourself, or even your loved ones in a negative way of some sort. If you realize that your thinking might be steering your life in the wrong way in a certain area of life or robbing you of a potential passion and excitement for the things of God and and I honestly believe that's all of us to some degree including myself that there are areas of our thinking that actually need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and if that is us and we find that that could be us then we got to ask ourselves another question and that's this how do we change our thinking It can be easy to say, hey, don't think that way. But all of us know that to change a pattern of thinking is extremely difficult. But I've got great news for you today. And that is that we are gonna tackle another way for you to be able to renew your mind so that you can be transformed. And if you can do that and you can focus on your purpose, then you can actually have that spiritual passion for God that you want, that we all want. And we're gonna find our answer today in the book of Joshua. Now, a little bit of background on the book of Joshua. Moses has led literally millions of people out of slavery, out of captivity, and he has led them to the border of what is called the promised land. And it was land that was actually theirs, and while they were gone in slavery, squatters came and they actually took it. And Moses has just led these millions of people to the edge of the promised land, and then he dies. He passes away and he passes the torch, the leadership of millions of people to this one man, Joshua. And as we, begin, we read the beginning of Joshua, we can see from God's encouragement, be courageous, be courageous as any one of us would be. Joshua is, in, is intimidated about leading millions of people into this land. I mean, can you imagine the pressure, how intimidated it, it would be? You're the leader of millions of people like that. And they're depending on you, not just for leadership, but to bring them into an area and overtake an overtaken area that's been stolen from you. So Joshua has been appointed of the, as the leader of these millions of people and he's about to lead them into the promised land. And God gives Joshua instructions on how to be successful as a leader of millions. And as we lean into this verse that God gave him, we find out that one of the key instructions that God gave Joshua in order to put him in a different mindset to be able to transform his thinking into the leader that he was called to be As we unpack this scripture of what God said to him, I wanna tell you that the same thing that worked for Joshua is gonna work for you as well and me. This is a key scripture as to how to renew our mind with the word of God. So here we go. Joshua 1.8, this is what God says. Keep this book of the law. In other words, the Bible. This was the, the Bible that Moses wrote on your lips. He says, keep it always on your lips. In other words, always be saying it. Yeah, you wanna read it, you wanna study it, but it's so important to actually be praying the scriptures, be declaring the scriptures, the promises of God. There's power and there's life in it. And then he says this, he says, meditate on it. In other words, think about it day and night. Keep it in the forefront of your mind. And the reason he says this is because it's gonna begin to transform you and renew the way you think. So no longer do you have negative self-talk. No longer do do we focus on the negative events that happen. No longer is there no gray in life and everything is so black and white that it's hurting you and the people around you. No longer do you personalize and blame yourself for things that aren't even in your control. And this is amazing as well. So many of us, we struggle with what to do. We know what's right, but we struggle with doing what's right. We struggle with doing what the scriptures tell us is right. We don't argue with the scriptures. We know the scriptures are right, but we have struggles with carrying it out. Watch this. He says, if you do keep the book of the law on your lips and you meditating on day and night, he says, do these two things so that, this is the key, so that you'll be careful to do everything written in it. You see, if, you will, if you'll say the word and you'll meditate on the word, it'll help you actually do the word, to walk in the word. And then, watch this, and then you will be prosperous and successful. And so this was instructions given to a man who had an amazing amount of pressure on him. He was a leader of millions of people. And this was God's specific word on how he could be transformed into the leader that God knew he was, that God made him to be. So this is the big idea today, this is the brick in the wall of you having passionate spirituality. And so if you don't leave with anything else today, here's what I want you to get today and walk away with. We've gotta make the word first place in our lives. Okay, let me say that again. We've gotta make the word, the Bible first place in our lives. Michael, but what if I read my Bible, but I don't feel anything? It's like, I don't wanna get anything out of it. Just to be transparent, I don't wanna read it. I don't feel like I get anything out of it. It just feels like words going by. It doesn't seem like it makes a difference in my life. I don't feel any different when I read it. I mean, what do I do? I think that's a great question. I think it's a, it's a question that many people ask. It's a question that I have asked before. And there is a scripture that was written specifically just to answer that question, which is how do you become passionate about reading the Bible and the word of God? Watch this. In Proverbs twenty-two seventeen, 17, it says, Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise and apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your, here it is again, having it on your lips, saying it, speaking it, okay? So then in verse 17, uh, we're going to break this down a little bit. It says, Pay attention. And hear the words of the wise. In other words, we should, we should pay attention and we should lean in to the Bible. And if we can do that, then it says it becomes pleasing when we keep them in our heart. But that's the question, right? Is how do we enjoy reading the Bible? Like how is it pleasing to us when we read it? When we embrace it and we love it and we enjoy it and it brings satisfaction to us as we read it? Is there something I can do to actually move from just reading the words and just the words going by to actually becoming passionate about it, where we love reading it, where we find pleasure in it, that it is pleasing to us? What happens if I just don't feel that? Here's what he's saying, is the way you do it, you lean in and then you apply your heart. Now I want to talk a minute about what it means. What does that mean, apply your heart? The phrase he's using is apply your heart to what you're reading or to what you hear. So this verb right here, apply, in the original Hebrew, it simply means to set or stand or place. So it's like you take your heart and you place it, you put it, you stand it into what you've heard or what you've read or what you've seen with your eyes, you actually push your heart into it or your attention into it, if you will, into the word of God and the knowledge of the word of God and the power of the word of God and the beauty of it. You've got to place your attention on it or as he put it, apply your heart, lean into it. And if your heart isn't feeling anything, you say to your heart, heart, wake up. You apply it. You apply it and you place it into what's being taught or what you're reading. And you might you might say, well, look, Mike, I appreciate what you're saying, but I just don't have a passion. I just don't have a love for the Word. I want to want to read the Bible, but I don't want to read the Bible. Okay? It's kind of like what we were talking about in the first week. And I think that there are a couple things that we can do to actually become passionate and lean into and apply our heart. Because... We sometimes we're not passionate about reading the Bible because we don't understand the power in it. And we actually give ourselves too much credit in our lives. And look at this. 1 Peter 2:23. Peter says, "For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, but you have been born again through the living and enduring word of God." You if you're a Jesus follower, you were actually born again. You were saved by the word of God. It is at the core of your salvation is the word of God. That's how powerful it is in your life, in your born again life. And then he goes on and he actually quotes a scripture from Isaiah. And it's very, very interesting. He just wants to let us know the power of the word of God compared to who we are in and of ourselves and how limited we are. He says, for all people are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. Oh, that's great. So like I'm like a flower for Jesus. Well, hang on just a second. Because it says the grass withers and the flowers fall. In other words, we're like grass. In and of ourselves, we wither. And we fall. We do our best. We may be beautiful for a time, but eventually we're going to wither and we're going to fall in and of ourselves. And then he comes in, in the next verse, and he says, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So, when we're talking about the mentalities and the ways that we think that are wrong thinking that are not renewed we've got to realize that we have little to no power in and of ourselves to actually change that. We can do it a little bit for a time. We're grass that withers and falls without him but with him and with his word that endures forever we have power to, we have we have a th- we have power and we can believe about ourselves what he believes about us we can become who he's called us to be we can find our purpose. In other words, we've got the power to be transformed and renew our mind because of the Word of God that endures forever. And when we do that, we can live in passionate spirituality, passionate about the things of God. And so we want to be passionate about the Word. We want to be passionate about the Bible. And another way to develop passion is through a process called deliberate practice. Now, this is when you make a deliberate choice to actually instigate certain practices in your life. Uh, it's kind of like when you were growing up as a child, your parents made you brush your teeth. It was a deliberate practice. They probably had to chase you around every now and then to, to get you to brush your teeth. But then at some point, as you grew up, that deliberate practice, it set in, and now if you, if you don't brush your teeth, you can feel the scum, the gross stuff on your teeth, as a child, for some reason, we couldn't feel that. But as adults, it's like, oh, that is awesome. Uh, that's awful. It's not awesome, it's awful. It's like uh, eating right. You can eat right and then you start to feel good. But then when you fall off and you stop eating right, then you, get, you, you, kinda, you begin to, to realize, oh, okay, it felt better when I was eating better. And you become passionate about eating better. You could say it this way, our spiritual passions will center around our spiritual practices. Let me say that again. Your spiritual passions will center around your spiritual practices. If you have no spiritual practices or weak spiritual practices, then your passions are going to be weak. If you have strong spiritual practices, then you can have a strong, passionate spirituality, passionate for the things of God. And your spiritual disciplines, your spiritual practices, they should immerse yourself in the Word of God. You're here this morning. We're studying the Scriptures. That's awesome. That's a great spiritual practice, spiritual discipline. But don't just let it be Sunday morning. Immerse yourself in it. Get a dose every day by reading the one year Bible or some predetermined Bible reading plan. Find scriptures that you can keep on your lips, that you can keep in your mouth, that you can memorize, and that you can meditate on. And this is something else I want to really encourage you to do this year, and that is find a meetup where you can discuss another great spiritual practice, spiritual discipline that I want to encourage you in is get into a meetup. I want to encourage you to do that. We're just getting ready to launch all of our spring meetups, uh, our new groups, the 13 weeks. They have all kinds of types. Mike, I got enough stuff to do. Why do I got to do that? Because this is where you discuss the scriptures, the Word, the Bible. A lot of things will never get into you until you talk about it with other people. Life change happens in circles more than in rows, so you can come and sit in in a row on a Sunday morning, and you get a certain amount of that. But man, when you get in a circle, in a group of people, and you begin to dialogue with those people, that's when things really settle in your heart. Even if you're in a meetup that maybe doesn't have a curriculum attached to it. Maybe you're in an exercise group or or whatever. They always still stop, and they have a scripture or a nugget, and they discuss the Bible. And there are also, there are people that are there that you can ask questions to. You can ask questions to them. You know, ask questions about, you know, the message is like, what in the world was Micah talking about? I have no idea what he was talking You can ask them and hopefully they know. But this is the thing, we have 13 weeks in the spring, six weeks in the summer, and 13 weeks in the fall. We do it in semesters like this, so you don't have to take the same group all year long. Because a lot of times, your interest changes. I wanna know what the word says about marriage. And so you do a marriage meetup for a while, and then you do a parenting meetup for a little while, and then maybe you do a Bible study for a while, and then you do exercise meetup for a while. But you can, that way you can get get, uh, all the different types You can, at lwc.org slash meetups, you can find all the meetups that are there as well as on your church center app as well. Those start in February. It will help you fall in love with the word so that you can renew your mind, all right? Now, the story I told you at the beginning of the message about years ago where I was really in a dark place in my life and I I was really struggling with depression and just felt like I didn't have any direction. I didn't have any passion at all. My emotions wanted to do anything but read the Bible. Can I just be real with you? I know I'm a preacher, and and I should just, you know, I I always love to read the Bible. But I didn't want to read the Bible. In fact, I didn't even want to be in ministry. I was begging God to let me do anything else. It was such a dark place. I felt lost. I felt like I couldn't find my way around. I didn't know what my next steps were. But one thing that I learned growing up and all through ministry was this verse. And I want to share it with you because it brought me so much life in such a dark place. Psalm 119, it says, your word, God, God's word, the Bible is a lamp for my feet and it's a light to my path. I knew that to be true, but in that dark and lost place, I didn't want to read the Bible. Honestly, I didn't have a love for the Word of God, but I had an incredible respect for the power that was in the Word. And so I actually began to up my Bible reading as a spiritual practice. Even though I had no passion for God, it just felt like it was the words going by. I began, I, here's what I knew, I knew what power was in it. And so I began to read the Bible even more. In fact, I began to memorize scriptures. I actually memorized whole chapters of the Bible during this period of my life. And it wasn't because I was this super spiritual giant with passionate spirituality. It was the opposite. It was because I was in a dark and desperate place. And I knew that the Bible was a lamp to my feet, that it was a light to my path. It could get me out of this. And my spiritual practice of reading and immersing myself in the word, I knew it was going to create a spiritual passion on the inside again. And that's exactly what happened, but not for years. I dug myself out of, a, out of a dark pit because of the power of the Word of God, and I refused to give up no matter what happened because I knew there was life in the Word. There was power in the Word of God. I made it my spiritual, my spiritual practice to prioritize the Word of God in every area of my life, and that's what I encourage you to do today to develop and maintain passionate spirituality by redoing your mind with the word of God so how do you fall in love with the Bible how do you create passionate spirituality on the inside of you that actually brings you to a place of being infatuated with the Bible with the word being enamored with the word being in love with the words of God I want to encourage you Make it priority, first place in your life, every facet of it. Make it priority. you got to read it. That's why we're giving you the one year Bible. Meditate on it. Put it in your mouth. Say it out loud. Those promises that God has given you, that you are more than a conqueror. Would you guys stand with me? We're just going to declare the word of God. Say this with me, I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away, behold, all things are new. I am dead to sin and alive to righteousness. No weapon that is formed against me will prosper. i prosper in everything I put my hand to. I am a believer and not a doubter. I am slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. Some of you need to say that one again. I am slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. I am a doer of the word, and I meditate on the word all day long i don't have the spirit of fear but a power and love and a sound mind i have compassion and understanding for all people i do not hate or walk in unforgiveness i am healed by the stripes of jesus and i not only that but i lay my hands on the sick and they recover my children love to pray and study the word they openly and boldly praise god my children make right choices according to the word all my household is blessed in their deeds we're blessed when we come in and blessed when we go out i'm saying speak the word over your life keep it on your lips it'll transform you by the renewing of your mind and then don't just, don't just say it, meditate on it day and night. The first thing you do when you wake up, the last thing you do before you go to bed, and everywhere in between, that you're thinking about it, that you're meditating on it, that you're saying the promises of God. And when you do that, it's amazing that from the inside out, what's going to happen is your behavior is going to be changed. You're going to be careful to do what's written in it, and therefore, you're prosperous and successful. The word is a lamp unto your feet. It's a light to your path that will lead you to be passionate about the things of God. It'll lead you to passionate spirituality. It's an amazing thing. And by the way, you can pray over all those scriptures over yourself. I've listed them all in the notes section of the church center app. So you can grab them there if you want them. Or you can just, if you're going through something, Google scriptures on that particular thing. But regardless, I put these there for you. And I just want to, my heart's desire today is that you walk out of here excited about the Bible, a fresh and a new passion about reading the word because there's amazing power in it. There's amazing power in it. And there's a reason why it's been uh, more than any other book in the, on the face of the planet, it's been, it's, it's been, They've tried to burn it. They've tried to get rid of it. It's still the best seller of all time. And it's because there's power in it. And that power God wanted for you to have on the inside of you.